0: is anxiety is not only a negative emotion, right? Because in order to feel anxiety, you fundamentally have to have hope because if you don't have hope about the situation going well, then you're going to be feeling despair, right? Because then it's only negative. So the only reason you have anxiety is because there's an opportunity for it to go awry. And so to listen to that, figure out where your hope is, and then work towards that, it's not a cure-all. And it's not to say anxiety is quote unquote, a good thing. I know it's, it's a very real problem for a lot of people. And so it's not to minimize, but it's also an opportunity for us to better listen to ourselves.
1: There's no growth in the comfort zone. Growing pains are inevitable, but suffering is optional if we're reflecting and learning from experience. The Heart and Hard Work mindset is for listeners to reflect and grow together alongside impactful leaders sharing their personal stories so we can witness how they built their road to success with Heart and Hard Work. I'm the host, Rob Maloney. It's because of and not just in spite of every challenge that today I'm a trilingual world traveler with two master's degrees, an Ironman triathlete, entrepreneur and keynote speaker. But more importantly, because I'm listening to learn something from everyone and building an unstoppable growth mindset. Whether you're walking, sipping your morning drink in the car or wherever you focus, come reflect and grow with us as we understand that no matter what path we're on, Extraordinary is built with heart and hard work. All right. Heart, hard work action. We're here. Charlie Rake, stoked to have you, buddy. What are you drinking? I am drinking a venti uh, dark roast from Starbucks. Oh, you fancy, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so great, great to have you checking in. Our listeners, our heart and hard worker community, whether they're having their coffee in the morning, driving to work, driving home, whatever it might be a good time to reflect, it's going to be awesome to get a chance to witness more about your story emulate reflect and strengthen together for the future so first question jumping right into it is we know in this podcast that witnessing is the most powerful way of being present and engaged with someone in their process so as heart and hard workers we understand and we strive to bridge the gap between how others see us and how we are we see ourselves so to empower our guests and listeners to see more within themselves we always ask the first question charlie rake how do you want to be witnessed awesome
0: i love that you do that too real quick before i jump into it because it's you know the best way that we can communicate is through clarity and through um you know asking and i love that you're asking rather than creating a bunch of assumptions so um okay so i i kind of feel like i'm an eternal optimist you know i always try to find the silver lining of any situation and find teachable moments where i can um i think connection to others and specifically being in service to others is really you know, the best way for me to charge my batteries. Um, and I also think the best conversation happens when we assume positive att- intent and uh, you know, are genuinely curious um, and also humble enough to actually learn from the situation rather than you know, trying to be the one convincing others.
1: Fantastic. You've already earned your first sip. I take a sip every time you say <laughs> the and I and I want to say thank you as well for recognizing the intentionality behind that question. There's a lot of deeply rooted psychology in the reason why I ask, how do you want to be witness first? I don't have time to explain it now. And it's it's okay. Witness you know, the psychology people will understand. And and you are, as I get to introduce you now, uh, with your BA in psychology and master's degree in human resources. Charlie Rake has made his career, sorry, has made his career out of the most compelling passion. Understanding human motivation and using that as a force to make life ever more harmonious. Being becoming a father recently, proud of you, has given him a lot of perspective on what is truly important, finding joy in the moment and living with gratitude. So, Charlie. Definitely, you're someone who I associate with this. So I'm thrilled to be able to have this conversation with you. Congratulations on becoming a father. Huge, hugely related to what we're talking about today. Yeah, yeah.
0: Thanks. It's it's been a wonderful journey so far.
1: Now I want to really learn with you. You know, we're talking today about these things that have truly put you ahead in your career, and how we can impart them to listeners and be able to learn from your experience to witness and emulate. And the top three takeaways, reflections, things that have had a vivid impact on you, I would love if you could introduce them. I know being a father is huge, is number one for you. The second one is that, that you have had, you, we have more in common than what separates us. You talk about that empathy. And the third one is about joy and that it's not solely coming from the accomplishment. So I want to give you a chance to explain them all kind of in depth a little bit more and hear about how they have really made a difference for you. So you want to take it away, Charlie?
0: Yeah, Absolutely. So the, the, first one, you know, uh, my son was born in January and the whole time during my wife's pregnancy, you know, I kind of saw that as a nine month ramp for me to figure out how to do this father thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, I obviously drawing on, um, my childhood and what my relationship was like with my dad was incredibly helpful. I, I have amazing parents. Um, so that was a great starting place, but you know, it's a you're on the other side of it, and there's yeah. a different different kind of responsibility there. So, um, you know, I, I I spent a lot of my time figuring out what my role really is, right? Because you know, there's a lot that you can do and a lot of decisions that you have to make, but at the end of the day, like you can't prep for every situation, so you gotta gotta know in general, what your role is as a parent, um, or, or what kind of approach you want to have with it. Um, and after doing some researching, I, I kind of concluded on my, my role as a dad is to scaffold my son rather than, you know, prepping the road for my son, prepping mm-hmm. my son for the road, mm-hmm. you know, um, and you The scaffolding is such a beautiful metaphor. Um, He's the building, I'm the scaffold. I am not uh, one way above where the building is, that would be an ineffective scaffold, or way below where the building is. Uh, I'm meeting him right where he's at. Uh, I also am not in control of the direction of the building. I am just surrounding it, providing it with support and um, also, giving it the room to grow. Right. So um, that that's a intentional change for me. I'm I'm a bias towards action kind of guy, so I just like to fix things. Yeah, yeah. Um, acts of service is my love language. So being intentional and stepping back from that to allow for some of that anxiety, um, but know that you know I'm, that's how we grow through that, right. and allowing my son to have the
1: opportunity. That's powerful. And that's worth another sip right there. (laughs) Awesome. I love the metaphor, just thinking about the scaffolding, right? It's something that we get from our parents and to hear that perspective and how relative it is to leadership too, right? So there's this transition where you're no longer thinking about just you and what you need. You've gone from yourself directly and yourself indirectly, especially in your career. Now, what do others need from you directly and how do you serve them to be able to, to offer more, to be able to, propel him to prepare him for the road, like you said, which you, you're not always going to be able to control the road, but how can you instill those things like a growth mindset, like right. resilience, like, like grit, you know, the ability to step up to challenge the emotional intelligence to be able to overcome those things. And I think that that's really relevant for you and your career, as well as to everyone listening in their career, no matter what side you find yourself on, whether you're in the employee position, the subordinate position or the employer position, uh, or servant leader, whatever it might be. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. That's um, so, and then the the second kind of bullet point takeaway, you know, I, I feel like through the pandemic and increased isolation, it, we all just got <laughs> in our, um, you know, algorithm bubbles where there was a lot of, you know, either me versus the world or my group versus the world and mm-hmm. a lot of pointing and saying them. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it was super disheartening to me, uh, you know, kind of always trying to be an eternal optimist. And so I, you know, I took a step back from social media and logged off for a little bit. And it, it, I had to change my mindset to not look for the things, the individual situations or scenarios that separate us because there are a few. Um, but instead look for that commonality and it's, it's tough, (laughs) uh, especially when there's emotion involved, but, you know, starting with a place, especially in conversation with someone that you're necessarily disagreeing with on a certain topic, you know, starting with a place of common understanding, Mm -hmm. you know, core beliefs that we both agree on. Let's start there. Um, and then create a little bit of trust, create a little bit of psychological safety, and then move to the disagreement. Mm -hmm. Um, and what that does is it really shifts the conflict from a more personal conflict to a more task oriented conflict, right? Right. That's great. We, we want task conflict. That's collaboration and work, right? right? And that's the best way to get to truth um Mm -hmm. and but it's hard to do that (laughs) nowadays in a lot of ways especially when we're you know just looking at 140 characters or headlines right and so um just engaging with people in a more commonality way in a more honest way in a more task oriented way rather than a personal conflict kind of way um that's been an evolution for me uh over the last
1: couple of years. That's powerful. Uh, I'm, I'm going to sip again on that because I got, I got a lot to say, Charlie. You're just fueling me up over here. But I, I think to reflect on what you said a little bit more and talk about how we feel this isolation, we feel like it's us versus them, but to understand and to pause in the moment, to have the emotional intelligence, to realize what are they really trying to say? What's right. the moral foundation here? Is here? It, is it, are we talking about responsibility? Are we talking about sanctity? Why are they you know, if we're going to say us and them, why are they feeling this way? How do I feel? And what are those deeply rooted emotions? How can we start from a standpoint of trust and trust that there's not really a good and evil in the world. It's just perspectives. And like, we're trying to achieve the same thing. It's not that you're bad or I'm good. It, 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 that's a powerful narrative because it helped us go to war 500 years ago, and it was like you know I got to justify leaving my home and my 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 sheep and my family and like you know these things like all my possessions and go fight for someone I don't even know. But I think that that doesn't quite serve us anymore as much as the collaboration and the ability to understand each other. I mean it's taken me pretty far. I'm not perfect. I make mistakes all the time. We all are victim to the amygdala hijack that can take control of those emotions, but just to understand and to try to lead with that, right. To seek first to understand has taken me way further and it allows you know, leading with that empathy and compassion. It really sets the tone for relationships. Yeah. And,
0: and the one other thing, cause you hit it spot on with the, you know, amygdala hijack. That's perfect. Yeah, It's, it's not that that's inherently a bad thing right? We are evolutionarily wired to heed that call from our brain, right? Whether it's something as, you know, life-threatening as a tiger coming at us or something as emotionally um, threatening as, you know, despair um, to either avoid or fight or adjust or whatever. Um, But in kind of our modern landscape, we have the security and ability to pause on that feeling and hear it and listen to it honestly and then adjust towards commonality
1: right and even think when you're frustrated with another thought which happens like you said it it gets hard why am i frustrated there's the real emotional intelligence can you look introspectively why am i frustrated with the fact that you're saying this and like truly like it's like the, uh, one of my favorite books that I read uh, I was trying to, to learn a lot about how I can manage stress and help my dad manage stress years ago relevant to the datitude of this episode um just thinking is called don't sweat the small stuff yeah you just get into these arguments and as you're a dad and you're like you think you have to be right and you have to think that you have to you know, convince people it's like what's more important to be right or to 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 work i mean you could think about dale carnegie in winning how to win friends and influence people as well it's like What's more important to be right or to be comfortable or not not necessarily, but to, to know, like to work together, to collaborate, to work towards the, the solution together. Because if right. both sides are just holding so strongly to their argument, we're not going anywhere. How can we understand someone's side of point of view? And if we're not willing to understand someone else's point of view, how are they going to take the time? How can we expect them to take the time to listen to ours? You know?
0: Yeah. And I, I see that almost as an innate sense of, you know, hubris, not that that's a bad thing. I think mm-hmm. we should be convicted in what we believe. Um, right. But to to say unilaterally, I know this is right, mm-hmm. and what you are saying is not right, without any nuance to the situation, it's most of the time wrong. You know, mm. And so finding that nugget of truth in all perspectives is, is really how we get to better truth.
1: And just that I I, talked about Adam Grant, too. I know he's one of your favorites. You put me on to the book Think Again. But uh, what something he talks about frequently is how to speak like you're right, while listening like you're wrong. And that's what I'm working on professionally right now is how to speak like I'm right while listening like I'm wrong. And I hope that's something everyone I meet in the workplace knows about me is like, uh, yeah, I'm going to say my ideas with confidence and conviction because they're worthless if I don't. But Please also know, come talk to me. Like I want your feedback. I want to know. I want to understand your point of view. I want to understand the perspective, and I want to make it better together.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree brought On, you.
1: I mean, and I want to take like, time. Your your third one. So being talk, being able to talk about working together and being more joyful, being able to share more positive moments together. Your last, your last reflection and takeaways is, is about joy. Yeah.
0: It this this was a kind of a um, evolution too out of becoming a father where mm-hmm. like there's this you know almost instagram worthy level of joy you get when uh, you know baby is born and it, it's a kind of a weird notion going through that because you get questions like oh my god does it feel amazing to be a dad now and all that stuff and and it's like okay once i get there then i can be happy you know sure. and, and which is you know totally missing the boat in a lot of ways because pregnancy is really hard for a lot of reasons, but it's also really beautiful and it's Mm -hmm. amazing. It's miraculous. And to miss that opportunity to see my wife literally become a mother, you know, would be such a shame. So sitting in that moment and absorbing the joy, and we know that the way that we feel true, true joy, not just momentary happiness is through gratitude, right? Gratitude Mm -hmm. is the gateway that, Um, opens our heart to joy. And so sitting in that feeling that gratitude, I'm so thankful for so many reasons. Uh, My wife had such a healthy pregnancy. Um, My baby was uh, born beautifully and happy. Um, Just so grateful. And so it's not that you have to get to the destination, like you don't have to just accomplish a goal and then you'll be joyful it's right. the journey as well that
1: you gotta that you gotta say that again you gotta say it again because i i took a sip in the middle i wrote it down i was like what do i do first take a sip <laughs> i don't want to interrupt <laughs> say it again and gratitude what is gratitude uh gratitude is the gateway that opens our heart to joy right if we're able to see if we're able to pull ourselves into that moment to have gratitude but but to, to be careful of that to not be be blinded by optimism and be overly optimistic but to be able to reflect and say, I have traumas, I have, I have advantages and to have gratitude for both of them. Right. That's, that's yeah. to me, it's like to be objective, which is extremely difficult. That's how I move forward. And it's, it's not the external temporal happiness, right? It's not, we mix these things up. Like I, I'm not happy, but happy is an external factor, right? You, something happens and you feel this temporal emotion and it's like, oh, I've got the job. I got the new car. I got a shiny present. I got yeah, something right. I like. And is a temporal emotion, right? And you, it raises this, the bar, it sets the bar, and then you come back down. And yeah. then if, if you're constantly seeking temporal happiness, then you're going to constantly be disappointed. You're going to constantly find yourself and, and, and feel what feels like relative depression, feels like relative repression too, And right? So to not mix up that happiness with, with fulfillment, as I like to say, like the you know, yeah. joy is an attitude is a choice that's the reason why i show up and i try to bring my enthusiasm with my energy plus purpose together to try to to try to uplift and use my voice and use my talents and abilities to uplift there's not a lot i can do about the things that are fixed but i want to control the things that i can and, right. and to me that's that's staying focused on fulfillment a lot of times it's going to suck a lot of times yeah. it's new doing, but it's doing work that's meaningful and worthwhile that keeps me driven, that keeps me thinking, okay, this is worth it to, to someone. And I have a framework. I don't have time to get into it, but you know, it's in other episodes. I talk about like the different levels of depth for who what who's getting something out of this action. And it's just really relevant to the attitude, because it's like you you get past that. What do I need in this moment? What is what's going to make me quote unquote happy? temporally in this moment, and I'm able to truly switch the gear to the accountability and the and the responsibility and the fulfillment of knowing that my actions are supporting the scaffolding that you talk about. They're supporting my son, my my family, my team, the people I love and care about to be able to go forward and do and achieve more.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You're spot on with that. And it's it's also, you know, I think the temporal nature of happiness you nailed too, right? It's like, if, if you're only concerned with that then you're ever presently moving the goalpost for you know satisfaction and happiness but to sit in joy yep. is a is a powerful thing and it, it it doesn't mean that you're not ambitious and don't have
1: goals but you just also enjoy the journey and it doesn't mean that there aren't hardships and traumas that are valid and you deserve the you deserve to be able to compartmentalize and say that like, these things happened and they hurt but yep. also joy and attitude is a choice and we can choose to make the next step Absolutely. i love learning charlie those just to hear how meaningful those things i'm all jazzed up i could talk about this all day <laughs> but you know not, not everyone has all day we're, you know we got 10 minutes left before we get to work right now in the morning we're driving in the car so uh, i want to say just summarizing this i'm thinking about your son being born in that scaffolding that you built a powerful analogy and the metaphor i loved it thinking about the isolation and countering that having the emotional intelligence to not get sucked into us versus them narratives, but to seek first to understand and to talk about the joy of becoming a father and that difference between temporal happiness and fulfillment that comes from doing meaningful work and doing something that's meaningful and worthwhile. It's, it's, it's truly powerful to hear you reflect on what those have actually meant to you. Now I want to transition to our look back section where I'm going to ask you to tell a star story. And for those that don't know, in business interviews and as well as in communication overall, a star story is what you're expected to produce when you're, you're, you're going into meetings and because you're going to interviews because it helps you tell situation, task, action, and results. It makes it clear and relevant so that the information is accessible. Now, it's probably been a while since you've had to tell one of these, but <laughs> with, with your HR background, you know all about them. So it's going to be really powerful for our listeners to be able to have fun reflecting and strengthening your response as we give each other some feedback and then be able to understand and articulate their own skills and how they might be able to better communicate the, the business value, the value that they bring, and communicate more effectively in their lives and work. Yeah. Charlie, the question I'm going to ask you is to tell us about a time when you knew you didn't have everything you needed to solve a problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And Star Story is just bring back a wave of nostalgia from grad school so I'm, I'm super happy to jump into this um yeah so when i didn't have everything i needed to solve a problem it so i mean obviously the first thing that comes to mind is fatherhood right okay and I, when i found out i was going to become a dad you know like i said I, i'm a biased towards action kind of guy and that was causing me a lot of anxiety about how to you know quote unquote dad correctly right um and so i i the task was I kind of took it upon myself to learn as much as I could and, uh, from credible sources of what that looks like. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, that was everything from just talking to friends and family that I trust and care about, um, doing a lot of research, reading, listening to podcasts. Um, and then also I, uh, started therapy too, you know? Um, and I, I think, um, lesser so nowadays but there's still a stigma around therapy like you only do that when you're broken or something wrong you know and and i i fundamentally disagree with that you know it's just a really good reflection tool for any person to use when they're facing something they don't know how to navigate you know therapists aren't there to tell you how to do it better they're there to help show you what you think you need to do right um so i did that and and what I took away from a lot of that is like information was great. And I learned a lot of like tangible things about becoming a dad, but what I really took away from it was although anxiety is inherently a stressful and uncomfortable experience. It, it, you know, it was really incredibly helpful to show me what I cared about the most. And that was being a dad, you know, reflecting Mm -hmm. on that, you know, I'll I'll mess up. I'm not going to be perfect. But I care about that. And that, that's really was the most comforting and powerful thing to me. Being able to check in, understand where my anxiety was truly coming from, you know, it, it gave me a lot of reassurance. Um, and, you know, I've been able to use that a lot in other aspects of my life, too. What, oh, I'm feeling feeling right now. What am I feeling? What's anxiety? What's making my palms sweaty right now? Is it work? Is it that deliverable? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, all that stuff. And, and so the thing that specifically really helped me work through that is anxiety is not only a negative emotion, right? Because In order to feel anxiety, you fundamentally have to have hope because if you don't have hope about the situation going well, then you're going to be feeling despair, right? Because right. then it's only negative. So the only reason you have anxiety is because there's an opportunity for it to go awry. And right. So to listen to that, figure out where your hope is, and then work towards that, it's not a cure-all, and it's not to say anxiety is, quote-unquote, a good thing. I know it's it's a very real problem for a lot of people, and so it's not to minimize, but it's also an opportunity for us to better listen to ourselves.
1: Fantastic. So you, you didn't say it explicitly, but the result there being that you had uh, a realization of the importance of mental health not as a problem, but as all of the solutions. If I yeah, dare.
0: absolutely. And I like, it gave me a reassurance that I'm, I'm not going to be perfect. Right. Like putting that expectation on myself was this, super unrealistic. The, that's the key. But also to help me understand that, like, I care about this kid so much that, you know, I'll
1: figure it out. Right. I, I, there's so much I got, I, I should just like chug this whole coffee. <laughs> Um, this is standing. First thing I want to say overall is, is thanks for ma- making this so personal and so real. I know yes. I said that it's a business question, but truly, I believe personal is the foundation of professional. Second thing, you mentioned the stigma, right? There is a, there is a still a resistance to talking. There is still, a, yeah. and but even more so, I think I'm, I'm a true now business analyst. I think the true root cause of the problem is it's not even just that it's that for so long there has been a stigma that now there's an ignorance about how to talk. So exactly. we need more examples of people talking, and so for you to share, that's great. On top of that, there are barriers to entry. Not everybody can go to therapy, Absolutely. everyone can afford it. So I'm glad that we can create a conversation space where we can just practice talking and just know it doesn't have to be perfect. And And anxiety is something we all experience. Depression, repression is something we all experience. We've never had a chance to talk about it before because every time we do, historically, it's like stop complaining. Like get over yourself. Right you have right. privileges, be happy. Um, and that's not true. So, so it, we all have traumas and we need to to validate them. Anxiety, like you talk about having something that we need to care thing after thing. I'm just pulling out of here. It's just so important. And then the truly the greatest thing, I, I, this is beyond like business at this point. We don't care about that. This is so, so important <laughs> Foundation, uh, that you point out to me, the thing that, that struck the chords of my heart is that is you talked about datitude and you don't know because I keep saying datitude and and I, we yeah. haven't talked about exactly what that means. But to me, datitude is this notion that, you don't have it all figured out. And you, when you think about when you're a kid, you, you think about your dad, you're like, he always has the answers. He always knows what to do. Like, dad knows best. Yeah. Right? Superhero. And, and then you grow up and you become a dad yourself. And you're like, holy crap. Dads <laughs> and yeah. it's the same thing in business. You think every business leader has it all figured out. And right. they just had all the answers. And they are always super comfortable. And, they could, and people can... And look at you and think, how well, you just always know what to do. You always know the next step. That's not true. So what's important for us to know is, is Dattitude is embracing that idea that, you know what, I don't have all the answers right now, but if I can be emotionally intelligent enough, I can know no matter what, I'm going to be okay. No matter what, I'm going to find the answer. I have that hope that you talked about, and I'm going to be able, I'm going to show up for my son. I'm going to show up for my family. I'm going to show up for my team. We're going to find a way to make that next step together. It's really tough in the face of pressure and adversity. But the note for us and the thing that I think is super important to bring it back to business is we don't, we got to stop expecting the leaders above us to have all the answers. And we got to stop expecting ourselves to have all the answers and just focus on how do we ask better questions? How do we work together more effectively? How do we stay focused on being able, everything that we want to achieve instead of being stuck where we are. And to do that, it involves us having to take that uncomfortable question and put it out into the world or, or to talk to someone about what's, you know, just to flush out the ideas to be able to think straight and say, I'm thinking about it this way, you know, and you know, maybe someone else to so just be able to listen. And there's, there's so much in there, but overall that, that takes gratitude and that takes yeah. knowing that I don't care about me anymore to, to, to take care of myself. I'm doing this because I know this is what I need to do. It's my responsibility. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And I, I think the, the comparison to the business leaders um, is such a good, uh, you know, metaphor, it, it it applies so well. And we we look at a lot of leaders in business as like this almost superhero, superhuman figure that, of just wealth of knowledge and decision making. And, you know, behind any great leader, you have a team of people that supports them and challenges them and makes them think, uh, um, you know, about bigger and better things. Right. And being a dad's the same way, you know, I'm not going to have all the answers, but my son sure is going to, let me know uh, what he is needing and um, how I'm helping him.
1: Sure, and and hopefully you continue to cultivate that relationship with him. Hopefully, we can continue to tie those values into work and, and life and sports, athletics, and everything we do. Um, yep. We're we're all about community here at the Heart yeah. and Hardware, being willing to 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 share this conversation, to create a space where we can practice talking more, to be able to laugh together. Get to know you more personally, practice asking some questions and not being worried about looking like a fool. You know, (laughs) dad jokes, you got to work on your dad jokes. I might have to, if if you got any queued up, feel free to throw those in right at the end. Um, It was great to learn from your takeaways, talking about your metaphor for scaffolding, talking about how you've been focused on the commonalities and seeking first to understand, and talking about joy and making sure that we make the differentiation between the temporal happiness and that fulfillment that comes from doing what you love and and doing it for the people that you love and care about. And then to get a chance to hear you reflect on how fatherhood has been relatively, not relatively, extremely important to your career, your life, and all these reflections. It's awesome to tie it all together with personal as the foundation of professional. Almost done with my coffee. It's been awesome to have you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Robert. This has been so
0: great.